As long as we're alive, we're going to be faced with problems in this life. There is no way around that. Question. What do you do when those problems arise for you? Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. In today's sermon, Faith in God, the Solution to Giant Problems, taken from 1 Samuel 17, we will look at how David, through faith in God, defeated Goliath and how it exemplifies solutions to all of our problems that we encounter. Hopefully, this message will encourage you to be the example of faith in your context so others can see God working through you for his purposes. As we think about the song we just sang, Holding On To God's Unchanging Hand, the reason why we have to remind ourselves to do that is because we face problems in this life. And those problems that we face in this life is a lot of times evident to everybody around us. We all see these problems and they're difficult. We don't want to encounter them because we know that if we encounter them, there's a chance that we might get defeated. We might take a loss. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easier to look at the problem than address the problem. Mm -hmm. And sometimes everybody is looking at the problem together and this problem is just blaring at you and nobody has the faith to step out and do something about that problem. It doesn't make the problem go away. All it does really is make you cower in front of it and to start to see yourself smaller and smaller and smaller and have less and less faith because you're thinking about what you can do. And as we contemplate that thought, a lot of times God has given more than one person the ability to address the problem. But the issue is they lack faith. It's not that they lack resources. It's not that they lack relate. Well, I would say they lack relationship with God because they're not going out in faith. But they have been commissioned by God. They've been called by God. They've been given everything that they need to handle the problem. It's just that they won't do it because they're not seeing themselves as God sees them. They're not living up to the role that God has placed them in. We have come to the 17th chapter in the book of 1 Samuel. And this is probably one of the most famous Bible stories in Scripture, but certainly, I would say, in Old Testament. David and Goliath. This giant of a man, nine feet, nine inches, some measure him to be, standing with this bronze armor from head to toe is in front of a whole army taunting them, telling them that I'm your enemy. Send one of you out to fight me and whoever wins will be the victor and the other side will be subservient to that person's army. The problem, Goliath. The solution, fighting Goliath. 
The result, somebody has to die. That's how a lot of things are. The end result requires a terminal solution for somebody involved in the conflict. And we have the whole army scared. We have the people who called for a king, which they got one in Saul, cowering. And what does the Bible describe Saul as? The tallest Israelite, head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. And here's the perfect opportunity. They wanted somebody to lead them out to battle, to bring them back in, to represent them and fight for them because they had rejected God. And they have the perfect opportunity for the biggest man in Israel to go out and to show that he's with God and God is with him. And what does he do? He cowers. He offers up his daughter and free tax to anybody who will go out and defeat this man, not recognizing that that's what he was supposed to do. So he doesn't want to face the problem. But earlier... A chapter ago, we heard about this boy. He's not at the battle. And he was anointed by God to be the future king. But he's still a boy and he's still a shepherd. And he's the youngest of his father's eight boys. Three of them which are in service to the king. And when David was going to be anointed, Samuel, who anoints David, goes to the house. And when he sees Eliab, David's oldest brother, he says, surely this is to be the king, signifying that this man must have been great in stature. Somebody that looked like they could lead. Somebody that looked like they was in a position to be able to represent God. And what do we have? He's at the battle as well. And these two men, one is a king, the other one at first sight is thought to be worthy to be a king, are cowering along with the rest of the army before one person who's defying God. The problem is not Goliath. It's the lack of faith in God to defeat Goliath. Let's read what scripture says. We're going to start at verse 24 in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 24. So we could put this story in our mind. Actually, I'm going to run that back to uh, verse 23. Goliath, the Philistine, the champion from God, stepped from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family lines from taxes in Israel. David asked those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. 
When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done? said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same manner. And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are a little more than a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I, I, I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give your carcass of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone, the stone sank in his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling and a song. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the man of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout 
and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strong along the Saharim road to the Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Faith was the solution to the problem facing all of Israel. Cowering before this giant, it took a boy with faith in God to bring the solution that any one of them could have brought. The same God that worked in David was working in Saul when he selected him to be king, was working in all of his people when he selected them to be the nation that would represent them on this earth. They all lacked the faith that God was trying to get them all to have. And what happens? David demonstrates it, brings a victory, and everybody shares in that victory. When we think about the problems that's facing us, we have to recognize that a lot of times those problems are impacting everybody. And a lot of people are cowering, not because the problem is big, but their faith is small. And so what we need is people who recognize who they are as God's people to go out in the faith that God provides that he wants us to obtain. And what has helped David? Dare I say, he remembers that day he was at home in the fields with the sheep and somebody calls him to come from the sheep and he's anointed and he's told that you will be the king over Israel. He remembers that time that he was told he'd be king over Israel so he trusts that God's going to give it to him and when he's out there with the sheep, a bear comes, takes one of the sheep and he says no, not on my watch we cannot allow these animals to come and take what we're living off of for our sustenance so what does he do he goes out with the faith of God and rescues that sheep from that bear, from that lion takes it a step further, when that bear, when that lion turns around to attack him what does he say he does? He grabs it by the hair and he slays it because he recognizes that he was anointed by God to be king over Israel. And if he goes out in the faith that God is calling him to, that nothing will stop him from being the king over Israel. Not a bear, not a lion, not a giant who's defying this army of the living God because he has faith that if God is with him, it doesn't matter who's against him. He will come out okay. Problems are resolved by faith in God. And sometimes what's really lacking is somebody to exemplify that faith. David does, and what happens? The rest of the army comes and joins him and fights the Philistines. What happens if we lead our families in faith? If we lead where God has placed us in faith, 
we will call others to exemplify that same faith that God is wanting everybody to demonstrate. And we can show people truly how to encounter the problems of this life. It's not by the money. It's not by our own strength. It's not by the worldly connections that we have. It's not even by the, the materials that God has blessed us with. It's by the faith that we have in the God understanding who he called us to be. Because when we were baptized, we were anointed with the Holy Spirit to receive a heavenly residence with God. And we're not going to lose up on that if we go out in this world in faith. The problems that we encounter as children of God will not defeat us. Unless we're like Saul and we cower in front of them and we sit in our tent and try to find somebody else to confront the problems that God is going to answer, resolve with faith because we don't want to put ourselves in harm's way. So what we'll say is, let me throw money at it. Let me throw position at it. Let me throw some type of favor on somebody who will go out and do what God has placed me in this position to do because I'm scared. I'm the biggest person out here. I'm the king, but that's a giant. And he's speaking boldly. And I don't think I could beat him. And if I do, I will lose my life and also... I will be ashamed to all of Israel. So I'm going to supply somebody else and give to someone else to do what I should be doing in faith. And when we approach problems like that, they'll never get solved. But when we, like David, approach problems in faith, we will overcome whatever is before us us. And when we actually realize that God has given us faith, we also recognize not to be spiteful, not to look down on others, but God has given everybody the same measure of faith and that they should be able to overcome the same things we do. So our examples of faith, while somebody else could step up and do what we do, we can inspire others to participate with us faithfully. David kills the Goliath. They all go and they all destroy the Philistines all the way back to their territory. But when we step out in faith, we must recognize too as well that what God has brought us through sometimes is not the same thing that God has brought everybody else through. So that way that we fight is not going to be always the same. Let me make it clear. Saul tries to give David his equipment to go fight. Saul has been a warrior, a king for all of these years. David has been in the shepherding sheep. So what has he been using? A staff. A slingshot. And he can't take the biggest person's armor because he's not a grown man. But what he can take is what God has provided him with, what God has shown him how to use while he's out there protecting these sheep. And he can go out in faith and face Goliath with the tools that God has given him. 
You see, we've all been given a different spiritual gifts. We've all been given a different measure of grace, as Paul talked about what we read in Ephesians 4. A different measure of grace to do what God is equipping us to for the building up and edification of his body. And when we function with the gifts that God has given us, we will be successful. But we can't try to utilize somebody else's gift. So while it might not be on everybody to preach, while it might not be on everybody to teach, what some can do is pray. That's right. What some can do is give. What some can do is encourage. What some can do is go out and talk to people that maybe others can't. And that's your spiritual gift. And you do that in faith, understanding that that's what God is calling you to and not what somebody else can do. So you might not be able to preach. That's okay. Because you can still play a part. You might not be able to approach the problem as say somebody else. So the way that I approach a situation in life might not look like how Mike approaches it. But if we both approach it in faith, we'll be victorious. And we must trust that God has given us what we need to overcome every situation that we encounter. Because if David goes into this battle thinking that I can defeat this giant, but I'm going to use these weapons that I've never used before, David's going to get defeated. And he's going to bring shame not only on himself, but he's also going to lose out on this, this, this anointment that God has given him. But if David goes out and fights with the tools that God has given him, with the faith that God has put in his heart, knowing that God has a purpose for him, David's going to be victorious. You see, what David recognizes is it's not with the sword. It's not with the spear, the javelin, that these victories comes. It's with God moving. It's with God protecting you. It's with God bringing about the result that he wants, not for you, but for his people. You see, what we do is not for our own benefit. It's for the benefit of the body of Christ. This is not some David fights Goliath so that he could get fame. This is David fights Goliath so that he could bring glory and honor to the living God of Israel, who is the true God, and so that his people won't be in shame or fear of this uncircumcised Philistine who is defying the armies of the living God. And that's why David steps up, because he recognizes that in him, God will bring a victory and bring glory and honor to his name to show that he is the God over all the earth. So that the story will go out that there is a God in Israel who controls the fates and destinies of men's and nations. And when we address our problems with that faith, this God that has created this world will be brought glory and honor through our actions and people will see that the way we operate testifies to the fact that there is a God in this world that we're operating in faith and God is the one who's actually bringing about our 
victories. And it's not by our own efforts. It's not by relying on any worldly measures. And it's not by trying to be somebody else. It's being who God called us to be in faith. So, what he brings you through, it's not going to look the same. The problems you encounter, it's not going to be the same problems somebody else has encountered. There might not even be the same problems people in your household encounter because God is doing something with you to bring you to a point to where you solely trust on him. And that's a matter of the heart. So for David, it's fighting lions and bears. For Saul, it's supposed to be fighting men, but he doesn't do it. We've encountered in this book already numerous times where Saul, instead of leading man, is being led by man, and he's the king. And a lot of times in our lives, we recognize that when we fall short of what God called us to be, it's because we have been led by man and not led him. We have not put faith in God, but put more concern in what people say about us and what people view us as. And what David has to do is he has to separate himself from others' opinion of him so that he can be what God called him to be. Just imagine how difficult that is to step outside of the condemnation of an older sibling or someone who has authority over you to some respect, a parent, a boss, a wife, a husband, uncle, anybody who has some authoritative role over you, to step up out of their opinion of you so you could be who God wants you to be. Eliab, why did you come out here so you could see the battle? What did you do with those few little sheep? You see how he's disparaging to them? Belittles the boy and what he does? Those few little sheep, those few little sheep is what's feeding you. Those few little sheep is what's providing the cheeses that dad sent me down here to give to your captain. Those few little sheep that you're disrespecting is what is sustaining our family. And you're really scared to do what God wants you to do, so you belittle me because you know that God has chosen me to be king. You was there when Samuel came, and you sat there and looked at seven of your brothers go before you to show that nine of them were selected except for me. And you have to recognize that God's doing something with me. And I'm going to fulfill that, and I'm not scared like you. And that's where we have to find ourselves. Stepping away from the opinion of others to demonstrate faith in God. It's difficult. It's hard. Because what that will have you is like David. The only person in the army with the faith to do what God wants you to do. Now, the Bible's not a comedy, but if you think about that, you got all these grown men out of battle as if they're ready for war. And one man in front of them all. For 40 days, it says. <laughs> for 40 days, he keeps taunting them. Now, if anybody keeps picking at me for four hours, it's going to be a problem. 
But for 40 days, he comes out and he defies their God. He talks about them, belittles them, and stands before them, challenging them, testing them, and none of them come out for 40 days. And this boy, <laughs> day one, what's going on? <laughs> what will the king do? I'll go. <laughs> That, that had to be a sight to behold. And this giant, who's been coming out for 40 days, he's a boy who's not even a soldier, with what he says a stick to fight dogs with. It's really two against one, because he had somebody bearing his shield. David comes out. Denies all the things that Saul tries to provide for him. He steps out with faith and assurance that one day he's going to be king because God has selected him and that nothing's going to stop him from fulfilling God's plan for him because if God says it, God will do it. You see, God has promised us salvation when we have submitted our, ourselves to him when we repented of our ways and were baptized and added to his church, God gave us a promise that you will be with me in heaven. And nothing, nothing can stop that except for our lack of faith, our disobedience, our not living up to the role that God has put us in. But when we do go out, we might not look like anybody expected. We might have to separate ourselves from everybody we know. We might even have to defy those whom are over us and go out in faith. And you know what will happen? We could tell a giant, I'm going to chop your head off and not even have a sword. Just imagine the gumption one has to have to say that. I'm going to give your head to the Israelite army and I don't even have a sword because he knows that God will give him the victory and that God provided a sword not with Saul but with Goliath you see he left the sword back with Saul he steps out with his staff and a slingshot and he knows he'll be victorious and he knows that not only will Goliath fall, but that whole army will. And the problems that you face, God will defeat all of them if you go out in faith. He's already prepared you by the things he's brought you through. He's already promised you when you were added to his church. All we have to do is function as if we have faith in God. But that faith requires obedience and that faith requires solely trusting in God and knowing his word. We can't do that outside of God's church. And there's a lot of places that will present themselves as places where God is at, but he's not. Philistines, they had a God. They worshiped him. 
And even at times, that God seemed like he was a stronger God than God. So at times, some churches might seem like they're the right church, and it's not. But how do you know it's the right church? You measure it up against the biblical standard. The Bible speaks of one church. The Bible speaks of a unification of all God's people in faith and hope and calling. And it's a church that was established on the day of Pentecost. Peter, presenting the first gospel sermon, he tells the Jews present there that God has fulfilled his promises and now he's doing something new in Jesus Christ. He lets them know that the same Christ which you deny, which you crucify, is the one who's going to save us all. And they received that message. They were pricked to the hearts. And they had one question that is telling. They said, what must I do to be saved? And he tells them, Acts 2. I would encourage us all to continue reading that, the book of Acts, to see how God has worked and grew his church. But it says, repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're added to the church. And once you're added, you're promised eternal salvation. Save yourself from this wicked generation. Like David, when he was anointed, he was promised a kingdom where nobody could take away from him. When we're baptized into the church, we're promised a kingdom which nobody can take away from us. But it takes denying ourselves and living up to the standard of faith that God wants us all to have. The invitation is open to all. It's just not that everybody answers it. Because a lot of times, what hinders us from being what God wants us to be is we see the problems bigger than what they really are. And our faith is not what God wanted so our challenge is grow your faith in God step out and do something that nobody else in the world is willing to do and trust that God has equipped you to do it and you will be successful if you solely rely on God and understand who God has called you to be recognizing that he has placed that same calling on everybody else it's just that most of the world will not, will not trust God. I'm not sure where that leaves you, but I hope it causes you to consider your relationship with God, consider what you're doing in this world, and consider how you're confronting problems. Because problems won't go away by not addressing them. They won't. But they can go away if we approach them in faith. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, 
one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.